You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you are doing and continue to do, not only in Bolivia, but also here in Southwick, in Massachusetts, uh, and in New England and around the world. God, we just so thankful for who you are. I pray, God, that you would just speak to us this morning, speak not only um, to me, but through me and, and in me this morning. I pray that the words that leave my mouth wouldn't be mine, but yours, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't, uh, you know, I referenced it already, right? Um, In case you didn't notice, uh, the last year has been a little crazy. Have you, anyone noticed? It looks a little different today than it did uh, a year and a half ago, didn't it? And and if I'm being real with you, man, we went into 2020 knowing that it was our last year before we were going to come home for our year of itineration. And, and we had so much on our plate, so much we were looking forward to, so many ministry opportunities and things we really just sensed. And we went into 2020 thinking like, we're going to finish this year strong. And then somewhere a little after March, it was okay, let's just finish this thing. Let's just get this year beyond us. And then 2020 will be different, right? A little. <laughs> and so it's just, man, it's crazy. And, and we've lost friends in the pandemic. And, and, and it's, it's hard. I mean, people that, when we go back to Bolivia, there were people that we were working with who just aren't there anymore. We lost two dear pastor friends who we were serving in ministry with. I had one that I was supposed to be going to Brazil with, but then that got, that, that got cut short. And, and, um, he had invited us to do ministry at his church in the past. He's one of our national leaders and, and he's gone. And it's just, it's crazy. I'm going to be honest. And then we were in the midst of, in Bolivia, of political uh, turmoil and, and uprising and craziness, absolute craziness. And then we turn back to the U.S. and we see so much political division here. And then, and then you see all this racial tension and all these different things. I'm going to be honest. It's just like, man, this is crazy. And on top of all that, at the beginning of 2020, one of the things that we were excited and looking forward to is that, is that Polly was pregnant. And right at the end of the first trimester, we went for, for a, a checkup and, and we had lost the baby. It was a hard way to start the year. And then right after that was the pandemic hit. You know, I've, I've heard people say, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that it's necessarily, well, it depends. It's certain people who say it, <laughs> but the people who say it are wrong. Some people try to tell you that, that, that life is just meant to be full of blessing and great things and everything's going to be perfect and exactly the way you want it. And as long as you do things the right way, everything will be perfect, but it's not going to be the way you want it. Life is full of struggles and challenges. We live in a, we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. And we have consequences for that fact. Listen, Jesus died and rose to life again. And he began the process of bringing his kingdom. May his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And that process has begun, but we're not there yet. I have, I've seen far too many people who, who 
their healing they've received, but they received their healing in heaven. And now we wait to go and see them. And and that's great for them because as a Christian, we don't mourn the way that non-Christians do. It's not mourning for the sake of those who are with Jesus, but for those who are left behind, it's hard. It's it's been challenging. We we lost my grandmother this year. We were so grateful that we were down in Mississippi visiting family, got to see her one week later after we saw her, we received word that she suffered a stroke and passed away. It was it was unexpected. We didn't see it coming. But we were grateful that we had had that that last moment, but it was hard. Life is hard. I don't want to stand here and lie and tell you that life's not difficult, that life doesn't have challenges. Listen, we need to forget that nonsense. It's hard, and it's okay to say that it's hard. You're not speaking anything into existence by saying that it's hard. You're just speaking the truth. There's power in the truth. In fact, we're not even able to grieve until we accept the truth. Life is hard. It's just that that's, that's the reality of, of what we deal with. I look at, we're going to look at quite a few scriptures today. But I, I just, to kind of launch it, just looking at Matthew 14. In, in verse 22 begins a story after Jesus has, has just finished feeding um, the 5,000. And it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, starting in verse 22, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. It's, it's, there's a storm going on. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the storm, they see Jesus walking on the water, but they're not really sure what's going on, and they think they see a ghost. I mean, how, how scary would that be? You're in the midst of a storm, and you think you start seeing ghosts. What's going on? And they're afraid, and they're filled with fear, and they cry out in fear. Man, I've seen a lot of fear in the last year. I've experienced it. Listen, I have dealt with, in my life, I have dealt with anxiety. I get it. And all of a sudden, I I had uh, my first panic attack, and I don't know how many years start coming on me in the midst of the pandemic, and I just had to give it to God and begin to pray and begin to, to, to call out to him. Because that's the reality. Listen, there is a storm around us. All the time we're going through these storms. We're going through these challenges. We're going through these struggles. But we don't live without hope. See, if we just stop the story there, if I just ended the sermon, you know, I just want you to know that life is hard and you're going to have challenges. Have a great day, everyone. 
No, the story doesn't end there. In fact, here in this passage, as they're, as they're yelling out and crying out in fear, I love what happens here because Jesus, the same, the same response he had to them, I believe is the response that he has for us, his disciples today. It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In the midst of the crazy, it's so easy for the fear to, to just overtake us. And Jesus is there to remind us, take heart. In Spanish, it's almost like, calm down, calm yourself. Take heart. But it's not just that he says, take heart and do not be afraid. He gives us the reason why we can take heart and not be afraid. He said, it is I. And I think that's the beauty of it because in the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the challenges, what we need more than ever is to hold on to the promises of God. And do you know what I think perhaps the greatest promise of God in the Bible is? It's certainly one of the greatest. I think it's perhaps the greatest promise that we have of God in the Bible. The promise of his presence. Now you could say, well, what about salvation? Isn't that promise greater? But I want to think about that for a second. What do we win in the end? When, when we go to heaven, it's not just about a place. Listen, there is a place. Heaven is real. And it's going to be this beautiful, gorgeous place based on everything we can read that the scripture has to say about it. And I'm looking forward to that. And it's going to be amazing. But hear me. What we win in the, what we win in the end is we get to be with him. We win his presence. It's not about a place. It's about his presence. And actually, the opposite is true too. Hell is a lake of fire. Hell is a terrible place of torment. Don't get me wrong. It is a real place that is really terrible. But hear me. The punishment in the end is being separated from his presence for all eternity. Do we get that? Do we grasp that? It's not about a place. It's about his presence. The promise of his presence is what we have to hold on to. So when we're scared and when we're afraid, we can look to his presence. That's why the psalmist, most likely David, wrote in Psalm 23, verses 1 to 4, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen. We're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But we don't need to be afraid. Why? Because he is with us. And he is, as we just heard testimony of, he's a good shepherd. And he took the time to search for us, his lost sheep, and die for us. In fact, Jesus said those very words in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So 
when we look through scripture, we find time and again this promise of his presence. And and I'll be honest, these are the verses in the last year that I've clung to more than any other. We can call them sometimes anchor verses. You ever heard that phrase? Anchor verses. Why? Because they're what hold us down when the seas get rough. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's with us. See, the promise isn't... The promise isn't that we won't go through hard times. That's not the promise. The Bible never promises it. In fact, if you really dug enough, it promises the exact opposite. (laughs) We will be persecuted. We will go through trials. We will go through struggles. But even as Jesus said in John, take heart, I have overcome the world. In Romans, Paul tells us something very important. He says, therefore, start in Romans 5. Starting in verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is, this is talking to Christians, right, who have been justified by our faith in Christ. It says, through, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So because we, we love him, not only do we receive salvation in this promise of the future, but, but we, we, through this same faith, we are received in his grace. And we can stand in his grace and we have this hope. It says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That's crazy. Who rejoices in suffering? <laughs> Paul says we can. When we have faith in Christ, when we trust in him, we can't. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I want you to hear me. We're never promised that we won't have hard times. We're never promised that we won't go through difficulties. Listen, I don't know what storm you're facing in your life. Because we have storms beyond COVID, don't we? Some of you are dealing with grief. Grief of lost loved ones. Maybe you're dealing with grief of disease, of sickness. Maybe you're dealing with financial struggles and issues. Understand me. I know what it means to go through grief because I'm human. You're human. We walk through difficulties. We walk through challenges. But understand me. We don't walk as those without hope. Why? Because we know that that he is with us. The promise isn't that we won't face the hard times. The promise is that we won't face them alone. We don't have to fear. In fact, this is the problem. Sometimes we're escapists. And what we really want is for God to remove us from every difficult situation. But that's not what the word teaches us. See, it's not, it's not that he's going to grow us in spite of the hard times. He grows us 
in the hard times. That's what we just read. That's why we can rejoice in our sufferings. Because while we're going through that, we know that he's growing us. And it's going to produce endurance. It's going to produce character within us. I'm not saying we hope for those things. But hear me. It takes very little faith to trust God to take you out of the hard times. It takes very little faith. The real faith comes when we're willing to trust God to bring us through the hard times. Do you trust him? Is he enough in the midst of the difficulty? See, there's lots of people who can trust God when times are good. It's easy. Listen, I've been watching so many people that, that, are, that are fighting for their life in ICUs right now. So many. I have so many friends who are asking for prayer for this loved one, that loved one, who's intubated again, all these things. And we've watched it. We keep talking about it. It's, you, can, you can predict what's going to happen next. They're going to say there was a day of improvement. Then they're going to say, okay, they took a step backward. Then they're going to say, okay, more improvement. Nope, now they need to turn the setting up on the machine. We've watched it too many times. And occasionally... We've seen the miraculous hand of God saving people. Our, our, our director of Assemblies of God World Missions, Greg Mundus, was on a ventilator 40 days at the beginning of the pandemic last year. I talked to him at General Council down in Florida a couple weeks ago. He's doing great. But the hand of God. Listen, most of us would find it easy to praise God. In the midst of that news. But I have other friends. Whose loved ones have lost this battle. And there's a pastor down in Florida. I had never, I'd never met him that I remember. He had friend requested me. Uh, about a month or so ago. And, and, and I noticed right away that he'd been praying for his daughter. His daughter right around 30 years old. Who had, who had gotten COVID and was hospitalized and was struggling. And, uh, and she lost that battle. She passed away a couple weeks ago. Young, has a, a little kid. She left behind. It was a really hard thing. But can I tell you, I have admired watching this pastor praising God in the face of the difficulty. It's easy to praise God when we get things our way. I'm just being honest. Not that everyone does, but it's easy. When it happens the way we want it, it's easy. But do we trust him enough that when his way isn't our way, we're still willing to walk with him? Because he's willing to walk with us. Are we willing to walk with him? This is what he tells us in Matthew 11. It's a good thing we don't believe in baptism by sprinkling because if you saw how much spit is on this microphone right now... This whole front row will be baptized again. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, listen. All your problems, take them to me because I can handle them. 
You know what I think we struggle with as Christians? I do. I don't think we struggle with bringing our problems to God. I really don't. I think that generally we do a pretty good job about that. When we have needs, we bring them to the Lord. I think our struggle is not bringing our problems to God. I think our struggle is leaving our problems with God. See, we bring them to him, but then we just take them back. I'm going to thank you for giving me that brief rest. You feel good in the midst of prayer, right? Like when you're having a good prayer time and you're bringing your problems to God, you feel a little better. I do. You know, we could have that if we just left those things with God too. But we don't. We say, oh, thanks for that break. Okay, I'll take them back now. Do we trust him with them? Do we trust him with our challenges, with our difficulties? Again, do we trust him in the midst of the storm? Do we trust that he's the good shepherd and he knows where the best grass is for us to eat? And so if we need to get through the valley of the shadow of death to get there, we don't got to be afraid because the good shepherd is leading us through. Do we trust him? And, and I got to be honest, sometimes it's hard. It's hard. No one, no one said it's easy. But that's where the faith comes in. That's why I say it's, see, it's, it's easy to have faith for him to remove you from the problems. But man, is it hard to trust him to bring you through them. But when you do, when you do trust him, when, when we really do well with learning to abide in him, that's your, your homework for this week. Read John 15. It's all about abiding in Jesus. When we really abide, dwell in him, when we find our very being in him, what a difference it makes. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, last year started out terribly. When we lost the baby, devastated. When all of a sudden this pandemic hit, everything was shut down. It was awful. It was awful. Can I tell you that we came out of last year stronger than we ever had in our life to that point? Can I tell you that we came out of last year closer to Jesus than ever before? Because we had a choice. We could run from him or to him. And we decided we're going to press in. Press in to Jesus. So this is good news for us. You don't have to be without hope. We have hope. We know in whom our hope lies. But this just brings us to a, a second point that I wanted to bring up this morning. There's still so many who are without this hope. Have you thought about that yet? Like, for as hard as this last year has been for me, what must it be like for someone who doesn't know Jesus? The level of hopelessness has increased. Based on what I've seen, suicide numbers are high. Depression numbers are through the roof. Anxiety is out of control. So, so people saying, well, they, they somehow manage and survive. I don't know how, I don't know. I think people are kind of surviving, but they're not really thriving. Because you can't really thrive without Jesus. And I got to be honest with you, it breaks my heart. Because for as hard as it's been for us, 
we've still had Jesus with us the whole time. And we have sensed his presence with us the whole time. And we've known where to turn to the whole time. And we've known the one who would take our issues upon his own shoulders the whole time. But what of those who do not yet know? And we feel as compelled as ever to bring the good news of the hope of the world to those around us. Because that's their hope. Listen, the hopeless in Southwick, they're not going to find their hope in anything else. It's not going to be a political party that's going to bring them hope. It's not going to be a mandate that's going to bring them hope. It's not anything else that's going to bring them hope. It's only Jesus. So this church has a responsibility to be a beacon of light to this community to shine the hope of Jesus so that more can know. Because so many have yet to hear. Romans 10, 13 to 15, very common missions passage says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've never, they have not believed, excuse me. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I don't know about you, I want to have some beautiful feet. Preach the good news. Because when you look at that, we don't have control over everything in that. We, we can't make people call on his name and be saved. Do you know that? You cannot make anyone call on his name and be saved. You can't do it. In order to do that, they have to believe. You can't make someone be a Christian. I remember a friend from high school a few years back, a, a classmate from high school, they're not like super close friends or anything, but he had written me a message uh, after he'd seen some posts about, you know, my daughter or something. And he said, you know, I'm concerned that, that, uh, you know, you're just indoctrinating her and, and making her be a Christian. And my, my initial instinct would have been the wrong one, right? You just want to hit someone like that, right? You're like, you want to tell them, mind your own business. Like, what does this have to do with you? But you know what I said to him? I said, you know what? I said, you're right. That I am indoctrinating my child. I said, and so are you. We all are. That's literally our job as parents is to teach our kids what's right and what's wrong. Like, that's literally, yes, thank you for recognizing I'm doing my job. I appreciate it. I take that affirmation. I said, but the second thing I want to tell you is this. If you think I'm making my daughter be a Christian, you do not understand Christianity. I can't. She has to make her own decision, and I can't make it for her. It's actually one of the hardest things as parents. But we trust them to walk with our kids, don't we? We can't make someone believe. I remember one time I was talking to this guy. Um, I'd, I'd wanted to talk with this guy for a long time. He was a homeless man and I saw him walking around. He'd have to walk around on crutches and, and, uh, I prayed for opportunities to, to actually be free at the same time that, that he was around. And so I saw him one day and I said, yes. And I actually, God had told me I was gonna have that opportunity that day. I, I really felt that. 
And, uh, and so I was so excited and I was talking to him and I felt myself at one point in the conversation trying to convince him to become a Christian. <laughs> and I felt like God spoke to me and said, your job is not to convince him. Your job is to obey me. We can't convince people. The Holy Spirit can convict. I can't do it. It needs to be his work. We, we can't do that. And it says that they can't believe unless they, they hear. And, you know, you can't make people listen. No matter how hard you want to try, you cannot make people listen to what you say. Right? As, as you know, football season is upon us. I don't know if there's any football fans in the house, but I am one. And uh, I have the special gift. Uh, maybe other dads in here hold this gift as well. I think it's a dad gift. That uh, it doesn't matter what my kids are doing or saying in the middle of a football game. I have no clue. You know what I mean? And my wife will be like, Michael, Michael, did you not hear them fighting? I'm like, are you talking to me? Did you hear the kids fighting? I had no idea. I had no clue. Did you, did you not see that we have the ball in the red zone? And this is a very important play coming up. They're your kids right now. You deal with them. I don't even hear it. It's not that I'm ignoring them. I literally don't hear them. Listen, there are people, we could talk to them until we're blue in the face. We will never make them hear. And we know who sends us. It's, it's Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, them being the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We can't make people call on the name of the Lord. And we can't make them believe and we can't even make them listen. And we don't send ourselves. So what is our job in there? The one thing we get to do is preach. And I'll add this caveat. We preach in such a way that they can hear. See, because if I go to a deaf person in Bolivia and talk to them in Spanish and say, well, I shared with them, I gave them their shot, that doesn't count. You got to share in a way that they can understand it. I got to share in their language and their culture, right? So, so it takes work. Yeah. It takes study. Sure. But we got to share, man, it's been a hard year. But I have hope and I'm stronger than I was last year, not because of me but because of he who is in me. But don't you feel the weight to let other people have that hope too? See, that's our, our responsibility. Did you catch, did you catch the, the end of the, of the great commission that I read from Matthew 28? He said, behold, I am with you always. You see his presence was there. Did you catch that? Even in the Great Commission, his presence was there. So that same presence that gives us hope as we walk is the same presence that enables us to share that hope with others. Isn't that cool? 
In fact, Acts 1 8 says, well, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He empowers us by His Holy Spirit. He gives us all that we need. I want to share one more passage as I'm closing up here this morning from Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 to 8. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Man, that's cool. Did you know that before you were born, God had a plan and purpose for your life? And you would think that knowing that, we'd be like, all right, I'm all in. I'm going to do whatever it is he's purposed me to do. But if we're being honest, we are so full of excuses so often. And that's what Jeremiah did, I think. Because this is what Jeremiah said. This is his response to that great declaration. He says, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. And I don't know what your excuse might be. I know some of my own. Maybe you say I'm too shy. Listen, I know that, that I probably should share this hope with others, but I'm just too shy. I don't know the right words. God, if you give me the words, then I'll go and I'll say them. That's what, that's what we tend to do. You ever notice that? I remember the Israelites when they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. It was so cool because God said to them, when the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped foot into the water, the water will stop flowing. What we ask God to do is we get up to the water's edge and we say, okay, God, stop the flow of the water and I'll get in. And God says, no, you get in and then I will stop the flow of the water. Do we trust him? Do we have faith? Do we believe that he is able? But no, instead, we have excuses. And I, I, listen, I'm guilty. And that's what Jeremiah did. And I love that God's response to Jeremiah was not our response. What do we say when people say, I can't do it? Yes, you can. What I love is that he didn't say that. This is what Jesus, this is what God said, excuse me. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He doesn't say you can do it. He said, don't say you can't do it because I can do it. See, the problem with excuses is that we make ourselves the subject of the sentence. It's all about us. Excuses are all about us. And it's never meant to be about us. It's about him. And so God turned it back around on Jeremiah and said, it's okay that you can't because I can. So the words I give you, you speak those ones. Where I send you, you go there. And hey, by the way, we see it once again. Don't be afraid because why? I'm with you. We can trust him. We can trust him to bring us through hard times and we can trust him to share that hope with others. This isn't, this isn't two separate things. They're all together because it's all about being with him. It's about his presence. See, he gave us his presence to give us hope. 
but he also gave us his presence to bring that hope to others. I think that's pretty incredible that he wants to use us because you know what the truth is? We can't do it. I know that might sound counterintuitive to other things you've heard, but I'm here to tell you today, if you feel incapable, you're right. But there's good news. It's not about you. And it's not about me. And though we can't do it, he can. And he can do it through us. And he can use us. That's what makes it so amazing. That's not an excuse. It's not an excuse to not do it just because we can't. Just because you feel like you're not capable. You're in good company. None of us are apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. But he gave us his power. And so we have a responsibility. And we need to share that hope with others. Sometimes, and listen, we rejoice. The Bible tells us we rejoice over every sinner who repents. There's a party that's going on in heaven. If they can rejoice, we can rejoice with them. We're excited. When I see people water baptized, I get excited. When I see people make a decision for Jesus, I get excited. And that's great. But let's just not lose focus that we still have a task at hand. See, we can celebrate the joy and the victory, but not so as to say that there's not still something left. You know, to take a quote from a football player, every time they ask Tom Brady, which one is your favorite Super Bowl? He always says the next one. And you know what I think? I think we can learn from that in the church. We need to be focused on the next one. The next one that we can reach. The next one. In fact, Lauren Triplett, the former director of Assembly of God World Missions, uh, he's the one that has been given credit to this quote, so I believe it's his. He once said it this way, we can't count the harvest by what's already in the barn, but instead by what's still left in the field. We still have a job to do, church. I'm excited to see people here worshiping Jesus today. I am. There's joy in that. I'm glad that there are people here who have hope. But we can't forget those around us who are still living without hope. Let's just all stand up. God, I just thank you today. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for all you've done. I thank you, God, that you are with us today. God, I pray that you would just touch our hearts right now, everyone in this place, whatever it is that we need. Challenge us, God. God, that we wouldn't only have faith that you could remove us from our circumstances, but God, instead, we would have faith that you can bring us through them. It's not that I want hard things, God, but I want your things, God. And I just want to trust your way is higher and greater than my way. And though I can't do it, you can do it in me. Grow us, God. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.